Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here, and we are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We have a great guest today, Rowan Trollope, who is the CEO of 59 and 5.9 is a leading provider of cloud context and our software uh, for the world. But here's the point. We're going to talk about customer service, customer experience, like it's never been talked about before. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you've got an amazing customer service story, you have a question that you'd like me to answer, you can send it to any of the social media channels. I'm on pretty much all of them, 20, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Use the hashtag AskShep. And I'll answer the questions either right there in that uh, channel or on this show, or maybe even my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, and a number of other over-the-top TV networks. With that in mind, let's jump into today's interview with Roland Trollope, who is, as I mentioned, CEO of Five9. Welcome to the show. Hey, Shep. Good to talk to you again. So I'm just going to say, I love it. And as I read your intro, it says he is a self-proclaimed geek and taught himself to program on a Commodore 65 or 64. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) 64 at a local radio shack. And uh, not only that, you hold a number of patents in computer security and operating systems, which means you're a real smart guy. But first of all, there will be people here who don't have any idea what Commodore 64 is. An even younger group that even says Radio Shack. I think I've heard of that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think they call it the shack now or something. <laughs> they do. But uh, anyway, so Rowan, you, you're a smart dude is what I'm trying to say. And, and you're involved in software that is important to the uh, customer service industry. So let's talk a little bit about 5.9 before I really get started uh, in a couple of the questions that I have for you. Yeah, Five Nine. As you mentioned, you know we're a, a, a cloud-based software company. We we make a cloud-based call center software, so contact center software, uh, and and you know that is not very complicated to understand. If if you have if you're a business owner and you have contact center agents that are talking to your customers, um, you need a you need a product like Five Nine to make that happen. And we sort of do everything from uh, you know to connect your customers, whether it's over. Uh, telephones or email or SMS, every way that you might want to connect your agents and your business with your customers, we do that. And it's a you know, modern uh, technology that we've uh, built up over the last uh, you know, 10 or more years. And uh, you know, we're one of the market leaders. Sure. And the nice thing about being in the cloud is that you don't have to have the software on the computer in a server which, by the way, in today's world that we're in right now, working remotely, very important for anybody, whether it's, you know, the customer support world, but it could be any part of any business to have cloud software so they can work from anywhere. Yeah, it's really emerged in the last month. You know, gosh, we've been on lockdown with COVID-19 at this point for almost a month. And and, um, we've had a lot of customers coming to us because they needed to take their contact center agents out of you know the the big football field sized you know uh, uh, rooms with cubicle farms and send them to their homes and you really can't do that easily with on-premises based you know or PBX oriented uh, you know sort of phone system oriented call center software you need to move to a web based uh, call center uh, software contact center software and that's what we provide so we've made it really really easy 
for customers to do that. And we've been seeing a lot of interest in helping a lot of those customers uh, move all of their folks uh, to work from home. Right. So it's interesting. I see this happening now. Um, depending on when we're listening to this, we're, we're most likely still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And even if we're not, this is still very appropriate because I think what's happened is in the two or three months that we're going to be in quarantine and be forced to work remotely, and I hope that's all it takes, we are accelerating our use of technology, not new technology, but you know, companies like yours that already have the solution, we are being forced, if we haven't done so, to adopt and adapt that technology. I think we're going to put ourselves three years plus into the future with our capabilities just because of what's happening when we roll out of this, hopefully in the next uh, couple of months. Yeah, I think at least that, you know, if you look at historically, people are very slow to change social norms and habits. Mm -hmm. uh, and it often takes sort of these extrinsic, you know, big world-changing events. Uh, and, and when those things happen, unfortunately, is when the changes really uh, accelerate. And you've seen that throughout history in, in different examples. In this particular example with COVID-19, it's forcing us to reevaluate the social norms around working from home and working remotely. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, as well as some downsides, you know, if we're being yep. honest. Uh, but I think the benefits are substantial, and I think we're all being forced to uh, understand what those are now. Um, you know, there's a, a, a small vanguard of us who have been at the forefront of this. I've been in the collaboration industry now for, you know, eight years, um, and, uh, you know, and, and a huge proponent of remote working and flexible, you know, environments using technology. But it was something that, you know, no matter how much I talk to you know, friends or colleagues or customers about the benefits of remote work, it was just something that never, you know, people sort of like nodded politely and sort of said, yeah, but you know, that's just not the way, that'll just never work here. Well, now we've all been forced into this and I think we'll never go back, frankly. Now, I think we will go back to working from, from offices, of course. Uh, I think that, again, there are some downsides to working from home. You know, we mentioned some of those uh, earlier before we, uh, before we jumped on this call when we were chit-chatting in advance. But, but I think that, um, I think that uh, the benefits are substantial and it's going to change the way people think about work. From home. Uh, I think that there's going to be a hybrid. They, they say 5% of the workforce works remotely. That doesn't mean they full-time work remotely. It means they have a home office. They could be somebody that's a, a district manager of a company or a salesperson, and they work from their home part-time. They're out in the field. Maybe they have an office they go into once or twice a week. Yeah. Uh, but what we're seeing here is 24-7 working from home for yeah. more than 50% of people today. Now, Rowan, you said there were some um, things that are downsides to working just remotely. I'd like to hear what those are. I'd like our listeners to hear what those are. Yeah, I mean, I think the water cooler, you know, serendipitous, you know, interactions that you have with your employees uh, or with your colleagues is, is the most obvious of those. And it's, that's not easy to replicate with technologies. Um, mm -hmm. Five Nine, you know, as a, obviously we're in the customer service business, but we also, uh, you know, provide customer service to our own customers. And, um, you know, we, we, we have about half of our employees. We have 1,300 employees today. About half of them already work remotely. So we were about 50-50. Mm -hmm. uh, so this wasn't a huge change for us. But for the, 
for the half of our employees that are used to going to work every day. Yeah. They are. So we've already sort of developed a lot of the systems and processes that were uh, necessary to recreate that office environment. Um, but I think the biggest mistake companies can make is, is trying to simply recreate the in-person office environment for people that are working from home. Yep. Because it just isn't as good at some things, but it is far better at other things. You know, it tends to be very, very good at asynchronous work. You know, when you're in the office, um, your manager can walk around, uh, talk to their employees, understand what they're working on very, very easily, kind of get a sense for their emotional, you know, well-being and how are they doing uh, by looking in their eyes and seeing the, you know, their their facial expression and their body language. You lose a lot of that when you go to remote work, but what you gain is, uh, you know, a lot more freedom and autonomy for employees to focus on the things that matter. And so uh, you have to manage your teams differently. I think a whole topic here is how do you get the best out of the capabilities of remote, remote work um, and not try to replicate the in-person in environment where it just isn't going to be as good. And so it's like, it's a set of trade-offs that you have to manage. Right. So you're CEO of the company. What do you do to uh, simulate some type of, of normal day now that we're all forced to work remotely? I mean, you mentioned there, you, you do something, you didn't mention what it was. I mean, are you using, like we yeah. use, as we're communicating, we're using Zoom technology. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the obvious ones are video communications kind of mm -hmm. recreates the in-person experience as best as it can. Second is we use Slack extensively. Slack is great for asynchronous work. Um, we've really ramped up in Slack and Zoom our use of those tools uh, to create the sense of connection and community that you get when you're in the office. So for example, just before this call with you, Shep, I had a all hands with my whole company. Uh, we call it Thursdays in the cloud. Normally we do it at a bar. Yeah. Uh, we have you know hundreds of employees in person. This time we did it on Zoom. Uh, but we're able, you know, we, we do raffles. Were we they drinking early in the morning? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> drinking their coffee. Exactly. Drinking coffee. Maybe spiked coffee. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, so we do that. We, we, have, um, we have Slack channels that are set up to uh, help cust uh, employees come together around areas of shared interest. We have a, uh, we had a contest going for, um, I think we call it uh, Cribs. Uh, the, uh, the home, what do we call that one? Uh, cloud cribs and digs. And it's employees that have been sharing their home work environments. Um, and, you know, also sharing tips and tricks about how they've been successful, uh, you know, with, uh, with working from home. So there's been a lot of use of technology to recreate some of the things that we've been missing. But as I said earlier, we've also used the technology to maximize the benefits of work from home flexibility that you just can't get while in the office. For example, I've been very vocal about advocating to our employee base about um, the sort of self-directed work and the ability to work asynchronously is a huge benefit of, of work from home. And that a lot of that comes down to manager trust. You know, if, if the manager can trust employees to do their jobs and to focus on the things that matter, often those employees are gonna figure out new and more innovative ways to get their work done. Um, and that's what we're seeing around the company. People are sharing those stories of like, hey, 
you know, now that I'm not sort of sitting in a cubicle with my manager watching over me or, you know, walking around all the time, here's what I'm doing differently. And so we're starting to see those stories emerge as well. And we're really encouraging those. It's like messaging to the organization about, hey, trust your employees, focus on the things that matter. It's not about working from nine to five, right? An example of this is just hours. Uh, I don't expect my employees to work from nine to five. I don't expect, you know, some, you know, you may work more effectively if you take an hour long walk from two to three and you, you know, you might do a video uh, or an audio conference while you walk. You might not, you might take your dog for a walk. You might break up your work in interesting ways. So that's some of the stuff that we've done uh, at five, nine. And that's some of the things, some of the things I've done as a CEO. We've also encouraged, uh, people to be open about sharing, um, you know, a little bit more about their personal lives with us. You know, one of the big challenges in work from home, just very practically, is not everyone has, you know, a really nice secluded office space in their, in their home. You know, some people are working in one bedroom apartments or studios. I, I just talked to one of our employees, for example, uh, who has just a one bedroom and she works on a night shift with her husband in bed. Uh, and, you know, he's got to wear... Uh, an eye mask, <laughs> earplug, mask and earplug. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, everyone has different situations and we need to be respectful of the fact that like everybody's got these, you know, like varied, uh, widely varied uh, situations. Some of them are not extremely conducive to working from home. And so we have to be accepting of that and, uh, and help those employees to continue to be productive. So, like, okay, we're not going to worry about the fact you know, we actually use things like zoom backgrounds, for example, yep. so that you, you're not looking into people's bedrooms or other personal spaces. Right. I just uh, bought uh, the other day and it just finally showed up a green screen that, that folds like it's on a metal hoop kind of thing. So it just folds real small, but it opens up, it's behind me and I'm playing with it. So Rowan, when I talk to you next time, it might have your logo. I might be in front of your office building the next time yep. we talk. Uh, even though we're we're virtual, just uh, to throw it off. Well, let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, one of the things you wanted to discuss today was how the human experience is so critical for business to deliver. And not just right now, but anytime. And and most people, well, all people can't see what I'm seeing right now. But right now, uh, because even though we this is an audio recording, there is some video because I like to look at the people that I talked to, so you Zoom video, and Rowan has put the 5.9 logo up right behind him. So we're gonna come right back, don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio. Cult is not a scary word. My book, The Cult of the Customer, proves it. It helps you design a strategy to lead customers and employees through five cultural phases, or cults. And good news, I've revised and updated the book. The new edition, The Cult of the Customer, is available for purchase now. It features case studies, tips, and tactics to guide you on the journey from uncertainty to amazement and build a customer-focused culture, a cult of the customer. So, what are you waiting for? Go to www.cultofthecustomer.com. Go there today and order. Join the cult that turns satisfied customers into customer evangelists. The cult of the customer. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Roland Trollope, who is the CEO of Five Nine. We've been talking a lot about uh, the situation we're all in right now, which I think is great because, 
you know, that's what cloud software companies do. They put information in the cloud so, and, and software in the cloud so we can really work from anywhere. Uh, now that we're being forced to do that, that's great. But let's take a broader view of things. Even though, even in today's world, more than ever, it seems that the human experience is critical. I think it will continue to be that way long after we're out of this crisis. So let's talk a little bit about that. People are in critical need to connect with services and brands they rely on. So let's go a little bit broader than what we're doing at Five Nine, And empathy is a big part of that as well. So uh, what, what can brands do to continue to create this human-to-human -human experience? Or at least even if they're using technology like messaging and chat, uh, make people feel connected. Well, and I'll start out with what we've seen that's really changed with COVID-19 and this lockdown, because I think that's obviously top of mind for a lot of people. Every business has had to find a way, and particularly brick and mortar businesses, you know, anybody with a, with a physical presence has had to figure out a way to continue doing business without a physical presence. And, uh, you know, with very few exceptions like grocery stores or hardware stores, but essentially every other business is now had been forced to figure out, okay, well, if I can't have people coming into my facility, what do I do? And how do I stay connected with my customers? And so I've seen a lot of companies rapidly onboarding new, what, what are now contact center agents, but what used to be retail employees uh, in order to deal with their customers. In fact, you know, in order to uh, do my part to contribute to keeping the uh, American economy going, I've you know, on the weekend, continued to engage with various companies and uh, found that many of them are still open for business. And they found very creative ways putting their employees at home for them to then engage with me as a customer. So they're taking my calls, they're responding to messages, they're answering emails. And that's what we do, you know, at Five Nine, we're the platform that makes all of that possible. So we've seen a huge uptick in interest in our platform from from businesses that didn't think about themselves as having a, a contact center per se. And I think we might, all, we might almost reconsider what a contact center is. In most people's minds, a contact center is, you know, a, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, a big uh, football stadium size room. With yeah, yeah, like a, a boiler room with a bunch of cubicles and people with headsets on. And really the way we should be thinking about it is anyone who engages with your customers needs a set of technologies to be able to talk to them and they're not going to be in those environments oftentimes and they need those technologies to help them recreate the in-person experience as much as possible and that in-person that in-person experience has a has a lot to do with fidelity of the communication right like voice has a lot of fidelity to it that doesn't exist in messaging you can hear the tone of my words you can get the inflection of the meaning of what I'm saying much better than you can on text. So we've seen since COVID-19 lock, lockdown started a huge rise in the amount of voice calls. I think it's nearly doubled. Uh, you know, this is outside of five, nine, but just in the United States, we're seeing a sustained voice communication load that is equivalent to the mother's day peak that we would see Oh wow! every wow. single day. So yeah. what businesses are finding is, wow, I've got to find a way to connect with my customers. And the most rich way to do that is actually on, on video, if you can, right? Video and voice. And if you can't do that, then on voice. And if you can't do that, then it's like, okay, now let's shift to something that's semi-real-time, like messaging, 
which is very, very valuable. And if I can't do that, then maybe I'll go to something that's more asynchronous like email. But what you need is you need all of those and you need the best of all of those technologies to enable your business to stay connected to your customers. Yeah, agreed. And so, you know, as you get into chat and messaging and that type of thing, there's still the digital side. Uh, Customers still would like to get their answers quickly, fast. And if they can take control and it's a self-service option that uses a digital channel, be it a chat bot, frequently asked questions, video based. And I was just interviewing somebody the other day and we talked about how sometimes we have to teach our customers to use those channels as a faster way in. So I'll tell you, it's like the tale of two internet companies. In the last 48 hours, I've talked to both my internet providers. One had me on hold for 50 minutes and came on, was so frustrating. And the other one I called, it's like, we're sorry, your call is important. We're experiencing longer hold times. Your hold time will be under one minute. I could live with that. You could have said under 10, I would have been happy after yesterday. Okay. But let me also tell you the difference between the two companies. And I'm not going to tell you which was which, because I don't like to bash anybody specific, but one company, the one that put me on hold, didn't tell me how long my hold was going to be. It was just a long hold. The other one told me how long. And you know what? When I call my airline and they tell me the holds are unexpectedly long, it'll be 15 minutes, or we can call you back. They've given me options that make me say, you know what, even when there's high volume, I know I'm going to eventually talk to them and I don't have to be stressed out about, you know, uh, being on hold and having to listen to hold music. I can make another call if I knew that they were going to call me back or do something else. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, One of the things, um, let's see, empathy. That's what you get with the voice and video, of course. You don't always get the empathy the way you want it to sound. You can maybe type it out the right way. It's harder. harder. I I think that the empathy is a big thing right now. Um, I think you used the word earlier in our conversation, use the word fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think people today are, are scared and that fear manifests itself in frustration in anger in uh, you know, a loss of patience. They just, you know, want to get things done now. It's and, and, I think there, there's a high anxiety and we train our people properly. They can, uh, you can, you can help teach people to deliver empathy. Do you agree? Yeah, you, you can certainly. And of course it's natural to humans. I mean, most humans anyways. <laughs> um, well, let me take a few, it was a, a few of the things that you said and, and pick up on them. The first one is um, it is possible to be more empathetic in text. Uh, if you work at it, it's just not as easy. You know, emojis have been a big part of the Good shift point. Yep. communications and um, in bringing that sort of lightheartedness. It, it's, it's, I think that in text, it's often uh, you will read the text with the sort of least charitable interpretation of it in the most cold and, and clinical analysis of that text. Um, and, uh, and it just seems harsher when you get an email or a text message what softens it up and adds a little bit of that human emotion is the use of emojis. And if you're not an excellent writer or you're not really taking a lot of time with your writing, um, you know, text is just, is much harder to communicate that empathy um, than, than voices. Now, what we're seeing though, and this is where the next level kind of comes in, and this is what 5.9 makes possible, 
is really about flexibility between different communication channels. Because the reality is that sometimes text is perfect. Sometimes it is like the best possible way to get the answer as fast as you possibly can. You know, a very simple answer and non-complex. And and people are very like, happy with that. Yes. Is depending product, on what they need or are asking for the that, issue they have. Yeah. Is this product available? Yes, no. Uh, you know, can I get this shipped to this address? Yes, no. Those are perfect examples of text. But what I really want as a consumer is the ability to seamlessly switch between those channels when I need to. So for example, it's not about just offering text, email, and voice. It's about seamlessly transitioning between those. So I might want to be on your website chatting with one of your agents. And if I find that the chat conversation is um, getting a little too onerous or, you know, um, I need to, I would rather have that conversation in voice. I want to be able to hit a button and seamlessly then talk to that agent. What most companies do is they don't do that. They have one set of people that deal with text and one set of people that deal with voice. And you got to start over. Seamless is the word. Yes. Seamless. The thing that I want is a seamless transition. So I want to be able to, you know, text first usually, and then say, you know what, let me just ask you this question live, hit a button, start talking. Ah, great. Now I can talk to you. Blah, 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 blah. Let's get my question out of the way. I get my answer or whatever. And then maybe we hang up on that conversation, but we continue the conversation on text. So you might, you know, sort of send me a text five minutes later after the voice call is over and say, did it work at work? Yeah. Hey, if you have any other questions, feel free to reach back out. I'll be here. And then I want that conversation between me and an agent to be pinned. I don't want to have to call back in and deal with somebody different. Right. This is complex to do in the contact center. It needs software to, to enable this. But you know the idea of pinning a customer to an agent or to an employee so that I get the same cohesive experience and that same person again, that's really important as well, regardless of what channel I'm on. So what we're finding is just all these new use cases as we've been building you know, our, our cloud-based platform for, for these years that, 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 that deliver a much more pleasant an enjoyable experience for the end user and, and for the customer. And that's what we're finding really the most um, forward thinking businesses are beginning to implement. You're starting to see that in some of these really advanced uh, use cases from, from businesses. This is and what I, customers want. Yes, it's what customers want and it's going to become more commonplace. And frankly, I think if you're a business and you don't figure out how to do this, you're going to be, um, you're going to, competitively be disadvantaged by your competition who figures out how to do this well. Then increasingly consumers expect and will do business with the companies that give them the best customer service experience, not necessarily the best product. Right. Amen to that. We only have time for two more questions. It's usually one more question, but here's a quick one. You mentioned emojis. As the CEO of a pretty big company, do you use emojis in your emails and messages? Constantly. I use All right. Emojis. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I use an emojis. I use the Apple iPhone an emojis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I use all that stuff. I use memes and animated GIFs. Um, I do all kinds of stuff, you know, to make my communications uh, more real and, yeah. and more human and more human. Yeah. It humanizes you. All right. And my final question, as always, is the one thing question. Just as the final wrap up, is there one thing that you could think of you want to leave our audience? Yeah, right now. And again, we're in the middle of the middle of COVID-19 and we'll probably be still in it when this airs. 
leadership is key right now. Business leaders, political figures, influencers like you, Shep, and, and leadership starts at home. It starts with how you behave. It starts with your own teams. Uh, and in the customer service world, the experience that you deliver to your customers is going to start with how you treat your teams, how you treat your own employees, yep. having compassion for your employees and being authentic with those employees. That's what's defining brands right now. So if there's one thing I could leave with, it's for all the leaders out there to, uh, to treat your employees well, to be empathetic with them, to be authentic with them, to be vulnerable, uh, and to treat them like human beings. And if you do that, they will treat your customers better and you'll have a better outcome for your company. Absolutely. What's happening on the inside of an organization is felt on the outside and it's very well put. That's Rowan. I'm going to say it's like almost a tongue twister. Rowan Trollope from 5.9, the CEO. Great show today. Great interview. Thank you so much for joining us. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Thank you, Rowan. Thank you, Chef. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode. We'll be back next week with another interview. So please come back. And until that time, Chef Hyken here reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.